Welcome, sports fans, to the next great podcast surrounding the NFL. It's the latest catch. I'm Brent Labonte, the founder, and our partner with one of my great friends, Bryson Mercier. Today, we'll go over popular news, topics, headlines, and predictions for this upcoming week. Obviously, before we start, make sure to let other people know and continue to follow the process. Every listener matters. All right, before we hop into this episode, a uh, quick word from our sponsor. This thing going. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. So we appreciate you coming on. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, a little bit of background that you know people that listen wouldn't really know about you. I attended high school uh, at Westside High School in Macon, Georgia. Um, I'm from Macon, Georgia. I grew up in Macon, Georgia. And uh, I recently just committed to Mercer, which is in Macon, Georgia. So it's uh, crazy how it all works out. So, yeah, that's just a little bit about myself. I'm a, a hard worker, uh, never going to take shortcuts. And I'm just striving to do what I can to be successful every day. I love that attitude, and you mentioned you came from uh, Westside High School. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you play any other sports besides football? Because obviously you attended um, West Georgia. So did you mm-hmm. play basketball and any other sports? Uh, I played basketball for a little while. Uh, I ran track, but those are the only two that I did while I was in high school. Did you receive any, like, college interest for any other sports? Uh no, I didn't. It was just football for me. Football was my main ticket. Or oh, I found that out early because I just had so much potential. So I really put all my eggs into the football basket and just ran with it. So you would say football was your was just your first love then? Yeah, it definitely was. It definitely was. So in high school, I think you made a name for yourself early on, like you mentioned, um, playing varsity ball. You're coached by your father and in your first start during your sophomore year you scored a touchdown so that had <laughs> been that had to been pretty surreal moment so what yeah. was it like i guess being coached by your father and can you put that into perspective for us and the listeners and how do you think he did you know molding you into the player and person you are today uh being coached by my father was it was definitely fun uh he was definitely hard on me he expected the best out of me uh, at all times so really every day at practice I had to come ready to work because I knew he was going to be watching me and what I was putting on the field. So, yeah, if if you can get coached by your father, you can get coached by anybody because they are they know you the best and they uh, expect the best out of you really every day. Yeah, I, I can relate a little bit because my dad was also our basketball coach. We played basketball together in high school okay. as well. And my dad was our coach, and I just remember my dad just always being, always telling me what to do and stuff <laughs> like that. You know, you know when you go home after practice, your dad's going to tell you what you got to do better and things like that. <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to make a decision after high school, you would be attending college where? And you had to pick between 31 different schools, mm-hmm. uh, for both athletics and academics. So what led you to making the decision to go to West Georgia instead of, the other schools I believe you had a chance to go to Mercer out of college or out of high school as well I wanted to get out of Macon uh just see some different scenery because I've been here all my life so I just felt like that time it was right for me to go to West Georgia and uh when I went on my visit West Georgia really truly felt like home uh it just I fitted in with the coaches and the players welcomed me on my visit so 
I just felt like that was the best option for me coming out of high school. So that's really why I went with West Georgia coming out of high school. I read that your dad played football there in the 90s as well. So <laughs> yeah. do you guys ever talk about, you know, who's the better player? <laughs> I mean, we have those debates every now and then. Uh, he thinks he was a little faster than me, but I, I don't know about I don't know about that one. So we have those debates every now and then. I, I got a question as well. So how would you get your name or your nickname Scooter? Uh, I got it at birth. Uh, my dad he just he predicted it. He just knew I was gonna be fast. Uh, coming like as a kid, so he just really just gave me that nickname and it stuck. So I went uh and played rec league and. Everybody called me that, and it just stuck ever since. So, yeah. All right, that's a cool backstory. So you mentioned that you're fast, and I I read on your uh, your transfer portal highlight tape mm-hmm. that you ran a four four forty. So mm-hmm. and you're standing at five ten, and you left high school at one fifty. So do you really feel like your size mattered in the recruiting process? And if so, how the colleges you know that were scouting you respond to that? Uh, I did feel like it mattered. But as time went on, it really doesn't matter because whoever wants you, they, they're going to want you. Like, the size doesn't matter. If you fit into the scheme and the offense and what they do, I feel like size doesn't matter at all. So, like, just really getting comfortable with it and uh, just accepting, like, my size is not going to change. So I just accepted it and I ran with it. And a few teams just happened to believe in yeah, I kind of relate with that because coming out, I'm I play golf at South Dakota State, which is another Division One school, and mm-hmm. I am not tall as well. <laughs> so coming out of high school was kind of hard. You know, you mm-hmm. always felt like people were kind of giving you the short end of the stick because of your size. But in my opinion, it just makes you work even harder. Yeah. So you arrived on campus and were redshirted your freshman year, but you got to see what the game was like at you know the next level. So, what was that transition like from high school to college ball? Uh, it was definitely different. Uh, from high school, I kind of knew like how how everything went. I had to go in college and learn the offense. Uh, because in high school, I had been knowing the offense since my dad got the job, like in two thousand ten. So I knew the offense like the back of my hand to go in and learn the different system was kind of different for me. So I had to learn that. Uh, obviously, the speed of the game was very different. I had to get even faster than I was in high school. So the speed of the game, that that was mainly the main thing was the speed of the game for me. So I adjusted and it worked out well. So in 2020, you didn't have a season due to COVID. And in the next two seasons at West Georgia, you played nine games, you caught three passes, and you participated on special teams. So, you know, what do you feel – the most improved part of your game has been from your freshman year to now? Uh, I would definitely say my route running. Uh, my route running, uh, it was always good, but I feel like it took a, a major turn from the better, for the better because uh, I was behind All-American uh, Michelle Slade. He taught me a lot about just slowing down my routes and tempoing my routes. So, like, you don't have – because he told me you run a full four, so – you don't really have to just run full speed, just slow it down. When I learned that, I feel like that part of my game really elevated and took off for sure. So you're a little over a month ago, you decided to leave your former school, enter the transfer portal, and you decided to go to Mercer. 
mm-hmm. was there any other schools that uh, gave any recognition to you or wanted you to go there instead? Uh, I had Central Arkansas as well, their D1 program. And I was talking to a few more schools like Benedict. Uh, I was talking to Tuskegee, uh, Georgia State as well. But I just feel like Mercer was the best move for me. And it was the right time for me to come back home. So, Scooter, you know, a new team, new opportunity. What can we expect from you in your first season with Mercer? And what are some predictions, you know, for you personally next season? Uh, Honestly, I'm just going to come. And work as hard as I can. Uh, try to contribute to the offense as best as I can. Uh, they have, uh, I believe his name is Devron Harper and another All-American receiver. So I'm just going to come in, learn from them, uh, and just try my best to make plays in, in the game, in practice. So I'm just going to come and just really give my city all I have. So for this off season, what do you think that you're going to be working on the most to get ready for that jump uh, to the new team? Mostly, I say my uh in the weight room because I want to get up to about 175 because from D2 to D1, uh the players are a bit bigger, so I feel like I'm gonna have to get my weight up a little more. So that's that's my main focus this off season is the weight room, just constantly grinding in there and. Putting on about 10 more pounds would be perfect for me. Well, Scooter, we wish you the best of luck, and we cannot thank you enough for hopping on. It means more than you know. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're going to be watching your game following um, next season and how you do in your first year at Mercer. Mm-hmm. Um, we cannot wait. And like I said, man, we'll keep in touch. Maybe do this thing again. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for having me. It means the world. No problem, Scooter. Well, like I said, man, we'll, we'll talk to you. All right, thank you guys again. That was Scooter Risper. That was quite the interview, wasn't it? It was. It was interesting. And every single one of these guys that we have on, we're obviously blessed for the opportunity to hear you know, each one of their stories. So another guy added to our uh, checklist, and, and thanks to Scooter for coming on. So I guess, Bryce, we're going to have like a little segment here, you know, kind of the takeaways of our interviews. Probably be a couple minutes here, so hopefully you guys enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I think I did see something where Scooter – said that eventually he does want to come back and coach with his dad. So we touched on talking with him and playing for his dad and things like that. That would be interesting to see him go back to coaching with his dad after after he's done eventually playing. Yeah, as he mentioned, he pretty much knew Westside's playbook, you know, since he was like, I don't know, at a very young age. And his dad obviously grew him up to be, to you know, have a love for football. So that was a really cool, cool point that he mentioned. And uh, how they have like a little inner rivalry going around between who was the better player coming out of high school, and they both went to West or uh, yeah West Georgia. So both of those guys seem to have a really good connection, a really uh, great love for each other. So it would be really interesting to see those two coach at the high school level. Um, I also read, which I could be wrong, um, Scooter's dad, I believe his nickname Spoon Risper. He. Um, was inducted to the Hall of Fame. I, I don't know. I might have been high school Hall of Fame for, for where they're from in Georgia, but I, I don't really know if it's for his play at the high school level or his coaching because I know he's been a long-tenured long head coach um, for Westside. So that was also you know just very, very cool to research on this guy, and obviously we're, we're blessed to have him on. Super fast, too. That guy can fly. 
Yeah, man, I'm, I'm ready to kind of follow how his career unfolds and, and see how Mercer does as a program with Scooter added to it. You know, naturally, I kind of like Mercer. Kind of like my last name. I, I, know, I know who Mercer is. I've known Mercer for a while. I've always known Mercer as well, you know, playing some NCAA games, especially NCAA basketball. You know, you see uh, Mercer, and then I had a, my buddy here, Bryce, and his last name's Mercer. So it was always close, and obviously when I seen that um, Scooter was transferring there, why not reach out to the guy? And, of course, he was kind enough to respond, and, and we got this interview done, and it, and it was great. Well, why don't we start talking about some more football then? Here we go. All right, Brenty. We're getting near January here. We're getting to the new year. You know yeah. what that means? It's going to be playoff time coming up, BT. You're right about that one. Wow. These playoffs, and let me tell you, there are a lot of different things that can happen in the playoff hunt, playoff scenarios. That's good. I think that's what we got to start off with today. After that great interview, I think we got to talk about the playoffs. Justin Herbert just won on Monday Night Football, got his first bid into the playoffs. The Chargers are in. Staley, Staley probably saves his job with that win yesterday. Yeah, I think he does as well. And I, I thought that the Chargers, you know, from compared to last year where they probably could have got in as well, this team is, is very, very good. And now with injuries, you know, to the, some of their key players early on this season, they get those guys back and healthy. You've got Eckler, who's a, a great running back, not only running the football, but catching the ball in the backfield. He's always done that for this Chargers team. And then Herbert. You put the ball in that guy's hands, he's going to make plays. Uh, one of the best pure pocket passers in the league, emerging as a young guy like that. I do think the Chargers are going to be scary and uh, good for Herbert. You know, that's his first first ever playoff um, appearance of his career here early on. He's in year two as well, correct? Or is he in year three? He's in. I think this is his third year actually. Because uh, him and believe. Tua were him and Tua in the same same draft. draft yeah, it went. Uh, I think Tua was a pick before Herbert. Yes, yes, he was. They also get Joey Bosa, who yeah. might practice this week. He probably won't play this week, but they do get him coming back. But Derwin James might get suspended for that huge hit on Monday night. I don't know. I don't know if he should get suspended for that hit. I mean, I respected the, like, booting him out of the game. I thought that was uh, an all right decision to make. Uh, that hit was, he did lower his head, but like, that was also, he was just trying to make a football play. So, I don't know. I don't know if he got a concussion. I didn't see anything. I, I, I didn't really see anything either. I just saw some things on Twitter this morning that Derwin James could get suspended for that hit. Um, we're going to have to see what the NFL does with that. I, I also agree with you. I don't think he deserves it. I, I think that he was just trying to make a football play, and unfortunately uh, the bad outcome happened there. But we're going to have to see what Goodell does with the Chargers Pro Bowler. That was one heck of a hit, though, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It was. It's not funny, but uh, yeah, it, it was a big hit. That was one of the biggest hits I've seen live. I was, I was sitting there, and you could hear the pads hit. Another playoff team here that nobody's really talk about is the Baltimore Ravens. All right, they have a chance. They are in the playoffs. They already got their playoff spot, and they're getting Lamar Jackson back soon. And this team, if they could finished games would be undoubtedly the one seed or fighting for the one seed. They lost to the Dolphins in terrible fashion. They lost to the Bills in terrible fashion as well. They choked some games. And I think that the Ravens are a team you have to look out for come playoff time because I don't think you want to play this team 
with Lamar Jackson. They're ten and five, and they haven't had Lamar for a good couple weeks now. Tyler Huntley's done a good job, and he's almost like Lamar. He's like a clone of uh, Jackson, but a, a little slower. You know, not that much of a um, X factor in the running game like Lamar, but he can do those things, and that's why this offense seems to not really skip a beat without Lamar in the offense. Uh, Tyler Huntley's done a great job. And I did see something as well on Twitter. Tyler Huntley, BTU, has like one touchdown this year and three interceptions. He made the Pro Bowl. And I I thought it was fake. I went to Twitter and like Rap Sheet and Adam uh, Schefter, they're, they're all reporting this. And this, this is real stuff. So I, I do think the NFL changed their Pro Bowl thing. I think it's just games now. It's just like uh, friendly games that like it used to be back in the day. Some competitions. It's not going to be an actual head-to-head AFC versus NFC, but that's a little shout-out there for Huntley. He's done a good job with this Ravens team. Yes, they're they're a team to watch out for. Right now, the Bills have clinched the one seed. The Chiefs have clinched um, – well, not clinched the one seed, but they're clinched. This, game, this next game on Monday night, Bills-Bengals, that is going to be one of the best Monday yep. night games of the year. And that could very well dictate the one seed in the AFC because the Bengals – Already have the tiebreaker over the Kansas City Chiefs, who sit at 12 and 3, along with the Bills, and the Bengals are sitting there at 11 and 4. Control their own destiny for the one seed. Could you imagine the playoffs going through Cincinnati, Ohio, the cold, that fan atmosphere? That would be that would be a really cool thing to see for Cincinnati. And to be honest with you, they were out of the playoffs early in the year. They got hot. And how about the Jaguars right now, Bryce? And they are sitting first in the AFC South, and they have been rising up that that standings there and for the AFC playoff picture. Um, I thought they've they've looked great with Trevor Lawrence here in year number two, and uh, Doug Peterson's done a great job with that, with that football team. I also think that Doug Peterson has done a tremendous job with that team. They went from having the number one, the first overall pick, and now all of a sudden they're going to be, they're on the cusp of making the playoffs here. So that is a really cool thing to see. Jacksonville, remember, they made the AFC Championship game not too long ago with that really good defense with Jalen Ramsey and the other Josh Allen um, as well. And that defense had, like, uh, Campbell on it as well. That defense was really good. Yeah, they were solid, and they made it with Blake Bortles, which is the crazy thing. They They should have beat Tom Brady, too. They should have. They should have beat Tom Brady. But right now in the bubble, we're going to look at some teams here in the AFC. Obviously, Miami's sitting at the seventh seed. If the playoffs started today, they're second in the AFC East. And then we have the Patriots who are third. They unfortunately just come up shot at Joe Burrow. What an effort by Mac Jones. Um, the Jets who have had a crazy turn of events. Zach Wilson looks terrible. They played Chris Strebler, a practice squad quarterback. Um, I believe what was it? Monday night or no, Thursday night. Thursday night. Thursday night. Yep. And Joe Flacco right now, he returns back to the second string quarterback. They're going to start Mike White. This week, they're ninth right now in the playoff spot. They kind of get kicked out of that of those lower seeds, and they need to climb themselves back in. And the Titans, who look so good with Tannehill, now have to play rookie quarterback in Malik Willis. And the Steelers, who just beat the Raiders, they're also going to be in the haunted seven and eight. So we got a lot of teams at seven and eight here. Which one of these teams do you see maybe sneaking into the playoffs here, coming down the stretch? I think that the New York Jets or New England Patriots secure that seventh spot. I think that one of those two teams has to play Miami at the end of the year, if I'm not mistaken. I, so I think, I think that game is going to be one of the biggest games of the year. 
uh, because I think that game's going to dictate who gets the tiebreaker and who gets that seventh seed eventually. Um, I also see the Raiders are at six and nine, but I don't think they have any chance at making the playoffs. Yeah, after they lost uh, Pittsburgh, yeah, in that last game on um, Saturday night, I thought that the Raiders were win that game. They pretty much controlled their own destiny the whole entire game, and Kenny Pickett, um, he played really well and got his team a victory. And um, Tomlin's team is now rolling, so we're going to see how that pans out. I I truthfully do think that they have a shot. I think the Jets do get back in, though. I think Mike White has gave this team a little spark, um, and I could see them in the playoffs, probably with that seven seed. Now, on the NFC side of things, the Eagles, they've already clinched the playoffs. The Vikings have already clinched the division. Um, the Niners as well, and the Cowboys clinched the playoffs. Um, so those teams really do not have to worry about anything. Now, to get the one seed, though, this is where it gets interesting with the Vikings and the Cowboys. I see the Eagles' schedule down the stretch here is not the easiest. So if they lose out, the Cowboys win out. The Cowboys are looking probably with the you know the number one seed in the NFC. Yeah, or the Vikings, or I mean, the Niners do have a pretty easy end to the year as well. But you would think that the Eagles, I believe they have Hurts coming back. If not this week, then the week after that. Uh, so you would think that the Eagles wouldn't lose out. Uh, that team almost beat the Cowboys with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, so I'm not worried about them. The team I am worried about, though, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They still can lose their division, and, God, Tom Brady might miss the playoffs. I'm telling you, Carolina isn't bad. Well, I mean, they're bad, but they have a chance at winning the division. The Saints have a chance at winning the division as well. That division, a team at 7-10 and, and 10 might get in to the playoffs from that division this year that would be pretty crazy but the Packers won against the Dolphins this week we'll see if they can keep the train rolling let's see if Rodgers he's finally healthy people haven't really talked about that he's played with a broken thumb all year uh we'll see last time he was healthy we were three and one so we'll see if we can end the year on a high note and hey if they make the playoffs I'm not sure anybody really wants to play them with how hot they would be going in it kind of reminds me of the 2010 team um, we, we made the playoffs with the final spot on the NFC side, and we ended up running the table and winning the Super Bowl with a great defense. And this defense, man, on paper, they look great. We were one of the highest-paid defenses in all the NFL, but it has not really been that way for the Packers. I mean, their their players seem to not really um, like the scheme that they're in, but against two on that second half, they forced three turnovers and they end up winning the Packers the football game, which is all that matters. And now they look to pretty much get in. They, they've had everything that they need to happen, happen. And they've had a lot of help around the NFL. So the Lions, that loss against Carolina was huge because they were rolling, and they were looking to really be a favorite to get in with that probably seven seed because Washington, they have one of the tougher schedules down the, down the stretch here. I believe they play the Browns and then the Cowboys. Browns are going to be a tough team. Cowboys... If they have something to play for, I have the Cowboys all day. Um, the Giants, I think they're going to be in with that sixth seed. I think they, they look like they um, control that spot. The Seahawks, I, I think they're done. The Packers, all they needed was one loss from them, and then they have the tiebreaker over if the Green Bay Packers went out. So Green Bay does not really have to worry about the Seattle Seahawks. Now the Lions, they play the Packers in the final week of the year. If I'm honest with you, Green Bay plays Minnesota on Sunday. I'm more worried about Minnesota than I am against Detroit. I just think what I saw from Carolina, 
this past week. You pound the ground and you win the football game. You just got to be grittier than the Dan Campbell Detroit Lions. We have two of the best running backs in the league. I got Green Bay in that final game if it comes down to it. Uh, yeah, and I did see something where if the Packers lose to the Vikings, they still have a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, they need Seattle to lose out and they need Washington to lose out. So they still aren't completely out of it. They need a lot of help if they do lose to the Vikings, though. But if they win out, I mean, they're pretty much in. You would think that Washington wouldn't win out, but you never know. They also can have the Giants lose out as well uh, to get into the playoffs, too. All right, so let's talk about a team that just fired their head coach. At 4-11, sit the Denver Broncos. They just allowed 50-some points to a Baker Mayfield Rams team, who looked really, really good. I mean, give them credit. But Nathaniel Hackett's first year with Denver went as bad as you could ever imagine. I think we sat here probably around a year ago and we talked about how good of a move this was going to be for Denver. We watched it firsthand with Hackett in Green Bay and it pretty much went the opposite way. So if you're, you know, the Denver Broncos, what's your next step and how do you feel about this move that they made yesterday or today? So Sean Payton, former Saints head coach, probably is going to get the job. If you would, if you look at all of the head coach candidates, I feel like Sean Payton would be a pretty good fit there. Um, obviously, I think they made this Nathaniel Hackett move because they thought they were going to get Aaron Rodgers in a trade over the summer, over the offseason. I think that they wanted to bring in Aaron Rodgers, uh, offensive coordinator, whatever, uh, red zone coordinator, whatever he was for the Green Bay Packers, quarterback coach. I think Hackett was the quarterback's coach. He was the offensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator. Yep. So they bring in Aaron Rodgers' offense coordinator, thinking that Rodgers is going to get traded to Denver. That doesn't happen. Instead, they're stuck with Russell Wilson, and he does not fit Hackett's scheme at all. And all of a sudden, that team looks garbage. And that defense doesn't want to play for them anymore. And that team just dumpster fire right now. Yeah, and you see fights in the sideline with their backup quarterback. I mean, you're seeing the offensive line not even pick up Wilson when he gets sacked. It, it's just, it's a mess there in Denver. And I think you had to get rid of Hackett. And it, there was problems early on with his time management. You know, how he can, controlled the game from the sideline. You know, he wouldn't call timeouts in certain situations. So he had to hire a long time, um, former NFL coach to come in and help him with those situations. So if you're calling plays and you can't also, you know, manage the game, which is your job as the head coach, there's early problems and early signs that you might have made a, a mistake hiring this guy. And that's where I think Denver, they need to make this move, and now they have to move forward. You mentioned Sean Payton, which would be a great fit for Russell Wilson, who's under contract for many years to come. They, six. Six years to come. He is a uh, guy that's locked up and get paid a lot of money. And uh, there's other guys out there that I think you can make moves on. Um, the enemy of the Chiefs, who's been a guy that's kind of been throwing around the, the coaching carousel, you know, those possible hires over these last couple years how about josh mccown who's also been a guy that um people have been talking about and the texans almost hired him there's just some some of these names that to watch out for i think denver though made the right decision um now we're gonna kind of stick with this head coach and stuff the colts blown out 20 to 3 nick Foles. they maybe were hoping a little bit of you know philly magic there but no, we did not see that out of the veteran quarterback through three interceptions. And they get two in the first two, two in possessions. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, three interceptions last night. So what did the Colts do with Jeff Saturday? We all knew he wasn't going to be there for the X's and O's. We, we knew he was just going to be there to motivate and to kind of be that player coach that we all known him as, as, you know, when he was a player back in the day. I was really rooting for Jeff Saturday, too. I really wanted him to be successful at that head coaching position, but it just didn't work out. Um, I don't think that team really bought in as much as they want, they should have. Um, especially they, I think they bought in after the win against the Raiders, but then after they lost a couple weeks in a row there, and then after they blew that lead against the Vikings, I think the season was pretty much over. And it was obvious that Jeff Saturday is not going to be their head coach long term. So, I mean, I don't think they will fire him like mid season here before the last two weeks, but expect him to be fired day one of the off season. That is for sure. Yeah, I mean, you bring a guy in who coached high school football, had a losing record as a head coach in high school football, and then with very little experience, I'm okay with the move. To me, you don't have to to be a proven coach in the NFL and work your way up. Like all these other guys, I thought that Jeff Saturday had a good resume as it was. So for Jim Mersey, the Colts owner, to make this move, I thought this was um, interesting, but it might work. So I, I give them credit for trying. Their season was already over when they fired Frank Wright. And when Jonathan Taylor went down a couple weeks ago, we could go wherever when he was out for the year now. To me, that just kind of punctured the whole season, and it it's just been a mess for them as well. We'll see what they do as head coach as the NFL offseason kicks underway. Um, but I think that Frank Wright, though, should have never been fired. That That's my opinion. I thought Wright's always done a decent job. And he was, to me, good enough to have for the rest of the season. Not not one of those coaches to be fired midway through, like a like a Matt Rule or any of other, other those guys. And it's obvious that the, Col- that the Colts need a quarterback. And you look at who's going to be available. You would think of, like, Baker Mayfield, who's having a really good stint with the Los Angeles Rams right now. Uh, Derek Carr, maybe from the Raiders. Uh, those are a couple possibilities for the Colts, but you just keep looking. They keep getting these older quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz. Like, they have missed on, like, a lot of their quarterbacks that they have signed. And how much did Andrew Luck's early retirement just ruin that franchise? Oh, it hurt him a lot. And don't forget about Sam Ellinger, who didn't really play great in the starts he had, but... There's potential there, former Texas quarterback. Um, so I think that Ursay believes in him. Ursay likes him a lot. The next coach, they bring him in. He could be a guy to develop, but I still think he has to sit behind somebody, and that's whether you go and draft somebody. Another name I'm going to throw out there, Mac Jones of New England Patriots. They have Bailey Zappi. Jones has not looked great in year number two. And not only that, there's been Tom Brady rumors returning back to New England. So we're going to see how that unfolds in these upcoming months. Um, obviously, the off-season period is, is so fun. Um, and lately, there's been a lot more trades, a lot more uh, moves that we're not really used to. We're going to close this thing out with college football playoffs. Why not? Let's do this thing. So, Bryce, I just want to know kind of what your, your predictions are upcoming here. Well, Michigan, can they sustain a year where they don't get an underwhelming finish? Last year, it was kind of un, unseen. Uh, we were not expected to win the Big Ten championship. We were not expected to be anywhere near the college football playoff. We were unranked to start the year. But Jimmy Harbaugh's got his guys going now. So we will see how they play against this TCU squad, who is a lot like the Purdue team 
that they played in the Big Ten championship game, except TCU's a little bit more skilled at the wide receiver position and quarterback position. In my opinion, Max Duggan is a really good quarterback. So I just hope that Michigan does not overlook this TCU squad because they're definitely a team that can go put up 35 points in the blink of an eye. Uh, they have that air raid offense, and their run game is not bad either. Now, you look at the other side of the bracket, Ohio State versus Georgia. I don't think that Ohio State has a chance. The only way they have a chance is if they put up 40 points because they're not going to be able to stop Georgia's offense if they couldn't stop Michigan's, right? Because Georgia is a lot like Michigan in a lot of ways offensively. And I think that if we get a Michigan versus Georgia national championship game, it's going to be a lot different than how it turned out last year because Michigan's better at pretty much every position, maybe other than running back. Uh, than they were last year. Uh, quarterback, they upgraded. Defensively, they upgraded at pretty much every position except losing Hutchinson hurt a lot. But that defensive line is playing better than people thought they would. So I think that game would be a very interesting and fun game to watch, and it would be very old-school, ground-and-pound. I feel like that would be a low-scoring game and a fun one to watch. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you. I think we're going to see Michigan on one side and then Georgia on the other side. And unfortunately, I mean... I really do hope Michigan wins. Big Ten guy, Michigan State fan, it's, it's hard for me to say, but I hope they win. I just don't see it happening because of all the, the firepower Georgia has, and they have such a great defense. Every year, I mean, you see the products that they send to the NFL draft, those players. It is unreal, and they do it. They've been doing it these last couple of years every single season. So it's going to be tough for Michigan. Obviously, losing quorum is going to be tough for you guys, but your offensive line is so solid. Edwards, you know, he should not have a problem running behind those guys. We're going to see how that turns out. But, uh, yeah, I totally agree. Georgia on one side, Michigan on the other. Yeah, to end this thing out, we're going to leave here. But before, J.J. Watt announces his retirement after the season today. So, J.J. Watt retiring after this season. Uh, I put out a tweet this morning, I believe. Yeah, and he had a good game the other night against uh, Tampa. So, it's kind of interesting to see that he still has some game left. But he faced a lot of injuries in his career, and he was one of the funnest players to, to watch. Um, Central Michigan to yeah. Wisconsin to the big leagues. So. Yeah. Texans, he really made those guys look good for a couple years. And, uh, yeah, shout out to J.J. Watt, a phenomenal season. Yes, it is. So we're going to end there. We will catch you guys in the next episode.